Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jules Gill, I have three words for you. Oh, high, rush Hi-Fi. Hi-Fi oh, Rush. I forget the name, <laughs> but you might have seen it. No, I love this because not only two seconds before you started uh, the recording for this, you said, I have got this, man. I've got uh, an intro Don't sorted worry about out. It. Yeah, but so what was the name of the game then, just so the people at home? I, I think it's Hi-Fi Rush. The thing is, I've played it all last night. This is the game that got randomly shadow dropped at the Xbox. Yes, Ninja Mikami coming in, delivering the goods once again. Um, again, the got just, I don't even think, I mean, it wasn't leaked. No one knew it was coming um, yep. from the evil within developers, uh, Tango Gameworks. But their new game called um, called Hi-Fi Rush. Mm-hmm. Rush mm-hmm. Hi-Fi? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I was playing it all last night. And as I was playing it, I was like, I don't even know the name of what I'm playing. All, all I can think of is Jet Set Radio. Yeah. Um, but it is a, a third-person hack and slash game that moves on the beat. It moves on the rhythm. So if you yes. attack in time with the music, um, you do a lot more uh, damage and everything else. And the sound track has at least the black keys on it there's some licensed music on yeah. there um so I, I've, I've done the first sort of couple of hours i was playing it till about one in the morning last night nice um but i wanted to open on that i should also say this is the ubp the ubp <laughs> the ubp the entire part of podcast i'm scott tailford that's jules gill i am indeed and i will tell you what i think of hi-fi rush rush hi-fi five 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 um <laughs> i tomato. think that this game uh, i again had no idea about it at all i saw mm. the bethesda showcase i watched it and i was like wow is this a brand new jet set radio future game and my hopes got <laughs> so high my friend i was on top of everest but unfortunately they came crashing down to the ground when i realized that no this is <laughs> a hack and slash beat him up style thing admittedly uh, my uh, emotions were repaired a little bit mm. by learning that it was a rhythm action game because I do mm. love my rhythm action games um, mm. so all in all it is a solid 6 on 10 for me for, uh, <laughs> in terms of the excitometer because there is another um, Jet Set Radio Future spiritual successor that's in yeah, the works. Yeah, it's uh, Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. That's the one. And it has the music by the same um, uh, scorer from the previous games, whose name mm-hmm. completely escapes me for the moment. Apologies, my Mr. friend. Mr. Radio. Um, and so I'm much more looking forward to that than this, right, if I'm fair, honest, because I've had a lot of hack and slashy stuff recently. Admittedly, mm. the rhythm on beat attack action stuff is interesting. So I'll mm-hmm. have to download it myself later and see mm-hmm. how it is. But would you recommend it? I will it? say... 
Yeah, man. I think that like I think the combat takes a little bit of getting used to because they do want you attacking on the beat, but mm-hmm. you're pushing the button to trigger the start of the swing. So you sort of like attack ahead of the beat, but then once once the first animation is connected, then you can do the rest of it on the beat. Which right. I know sounds weird, mm-hmm. but you do, it's weird because after you do a few fights, you start feeling it. You sort of just start attacking on yeah. the rhythm and you start doing more damage and everything. But the main reason to play it is that it looks unbelievably gorgeous. Like mm-hmm. it looks like this sort of cross of like Sunset Overdrive and just like the, whatever in you know insert cell shaded game. Yeah. Yeah, whether it's Sly I, Cooper or cell damage or something. I was incredibly impressed with the fluidity of the, uh, the motions between it. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so they've actually thought of a clever art style and a mm-hmm. very lovely sort of uh, range of motions and animations mm-hmm. for it. So, yeah, again, I will check it out. But again, it's not Jet Set Radio Future. So again, the thing is, like when I started it, I was like, because it, it is, it's such Jet Set Radio vibes, like the color mm-hmm, palette and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and it was like I started. I think I just started the second main level. I've done a whole bunch of stuff, fought some bosses and stuff. And then I started the next bit. And there's a there's like a there's a rail going down some stairs right from where you start. Oh. And I was like, oh, can I just can I not just jump on that? Yeah, and then I my dude just oh. m- moved off it. And I was like, oh, if you just put a little <laughs> grind in, it would have been perfect. <laughs> but it was so close. Um, but there are yeah, there is a whole like. I don't even hear those sirens in the background. There was sirens. Are they coming coming to get you, mate? I think they're coming to get me. Talking about a game that is so fresh (laughs) off the market that it's almost illegal. PlayStation. Got this an Xbox game now. The Xbox actually make games again. <laughs> That's what I was thinking actually was um, when it got released when I started playing it I was like this is such a video game ass video game in okay. the best way possible. Like there's so many games now that are either trying to get more money out of you or are deliberately chasing some sort of trend or feel otherwise algorithmic- algorithmically created. Yeah. This is just such a throwback to like how they used to make games um, and to some of it in a bit of a negative in regards to you, you recognize the tropes kind of thing. You recognize some of the pacing tropes. You'll see what I mean in terms of the way the combat encounters come together, yeah. um, or some of the things that get said in the cutscenes where it's like, okay, we've we've had these setups like a million mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. Um, but it is done very genuinely and it, it has a lot of like passion to it. You can just tell a bunch of devs um, were given a, a budget, like and not a big AAA. Oh my god, make yeah. millions budget. Just make a video game. Just do it, and they did it, and it's beautiful, and it works, and it's like. It's just this breath of fresh air of like, is this what this is going to be like going forward? Maybe. What I really enjoy about this is the fact that stealth launches are apparently still possible and they can still surprise and capture that immediate sort of hype generation straight out Mm -hmm. of the gate. Because how many times do you and I sit here and think, my God, that AAA game that we've been watching gestate over the last five to seven <laughs> years sure is looking boring now because I've seen so much of it. And mm. sometimes it can never live up to the expectations. So when you mm-hmm. drop like this with zero sort of limitations on what people expect from your game and you just mm. capture that surge of adrenaline like, oh, it's new, it's exciting, it looks this good, it's a secret mm-hmm. and now you can play it. That is a mm-hmm. really interesting level of marketing that it just doesn't happen for most other games. And it's well, a risk. It is that. a big risk. Let's face it, because if you don't know about a game, how are you actually going to sell your game? Well, that's the thing. So I'll throw in uh, McAllister NYC's question here, who said, after the Xbox developer direct, did we see anything that changed our mind about the state of Xbox in 2023? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I was thinking of of it the way that you just described there, where I was like, this is a fascinating way to address the idea that Xbox don't have their cards to play Mm -hmm. because they can just say, hey, by the way, fully complete, absolutely gorgeous. And it runs at 4K in 60 FPS. Like it's just on Series X, it does anyway. And the idea of them just saying like, no, not only are we ready to go, but here's a beautiful, brilliant game ready to go. And they don't need to worry about marketing because they have 20 million Game Pass subscribers. So people will 
Just, just give it a shot. I guess all they need to do is convince you to fire it up for like five minutes or ten minutes and give it a shot. Yeah. And then they've they've got their hooks in kind of thing. What they're doing is they're also creating perceived value for Game mm. Pass in itself because if mm. you don't know what could drop next, there could be this massive game that's just going to arrive without any warning whatsoever. Mm. So you better get Game Pass now to make sure that you are ready for that moment. Mm it then elevates Game Pass as what it is. It's not just a streaming service. It is now like an advent calendar that you open every single <laughs> month and find new gems. So yeah, That's I think that what they a, to be an incredibly well. shrewd and smart move. Very risky, but when mm. you look back at what you've been saying, maybe not as risky as it seems on the surface. So, well, yeah, I think cool. it's always going to be like proof in the pudding. It reminds me of, this is the weirdest comparison, it reminds me of when Avenged Sevenfold Shadow dropped their last That album. is a very weird, that is a very weird comparison. <laughs> the whole idea of like, oh, you guys are so big, like we would expect some sort of like a few singles beforehand or whatever. Wait, did they actually just drop Avenged... an album recently? Yeah, yeah, they, uh, it's not recently, it's from two years ago, but I think oh, it's right, called okay. The Stage. And, um, but yeah, they just, just randomly tweeted like, hey guys, by the way, entire new Avenged album, just right there, don't worry about it. Interesting. And I think that that's like, that's always interesting because it's like it's always that assumption of an audience being hungry for something and waiting and things like Pokemon Go or Apex Legends just blew up overnight because they were almost shadow dropped mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so sometimes it can work it's obviously going to be like proof in the pudding is the actual product good is yes. the actual thing yeah. good um, in this case um, Rush slash Hi-Fi Rush Rush Part 2 <laughs> just Rush Sell Shade Hi-Fi is good yes exactly it is really good Sell Damage the, the Revival <laughs> yeah. it's really good and so, like, that is recommendable. And if you have Game Pass, there is literally no reason to not at least check it out. You might as well. You're not going to lose anything. And you might find your first, like, mm, game you love mm, of 2023. Mm. So I actually quite really like this as a as a potential show of what they're going to be like going forward. Because um, we've now had Pentiment, which was just an immediate 10 out of 10 yep. game, all of, like, an RPG set in, like, history and everything. Um, all I about the, the absolutely history loved that, by the way. I, there was yeah. a, was I correct in reading that there were some people that had, like, a bit of a issue with how the game played that it was much more of a story driven game than it was like a game game like people thought that it was going mean, to be like is, Valiant is like Heart a... and stuff like that it was going to be more a beautiful mm. looking game that you still had a lot of action to do in it is it more of a point and click style thing yeah it's it's way it's just dialogue driven there's no combat in it it's okay. all um, I've not played that much of Pendament but it is it did review really well you can tell that like uh, I forget who developed it I want to say Obsidian but I'm probably wrong mm-hmm. um, but you can tell they really cared about just everything about that time period the idea of um, recording history and how does to get passed on over time and mm-hmm. how to how do different um, events get portrayed and everything and just the presentation of that game is is just gorgeous i think that taking that as an example and then um hi-fi rush is another example it's just a, a little a nice little nudge of like okay they might be onto something here yeah. of just dropping great solid games that know exactly what they are from dependable teams that yeah. are actually fun to play and this is the thing we were always talking about how microsoft uh, dealt a massive blow to uh, the future of halo with uh, the mm. cutting of staff recently but maybe this is them redefining what a huge video game publisher is and that it's True. not about the mascots anymore it's not about the tent poles it's about the tent pegs the things that mm-hmm. are actually going to keep people rooted to the ground of the experience which is good gameplay good um, uh, developers and indie people so basically so seeds for the future i would personally be very happy to not get halo infinite 2 or halo infinite whatever it's going to be after this for Mm. a decade if it meant that i would get 30 to 40 brilliant independent uh, developer houses put on the map and allowed to actually uh explore difference within the video game space 
Yeah, a million percent. Like I, I we say loads on or I, like I, various podcasts and conversations about how I'd love some sort of return to smaller projects that are done well, and mm-hmm. you don't have something like a Skull and Bones or the the Avengers game, which is shutting down entirely in September. That blows my you know, mind, by the way. That, I know. that is like the fact is that that game was so hype. It was basically their project to lose at the point of inception yeah. because how do you mess up an MCU I, I, style tie-in? Yeah, and and it, like it does have <laughs> solid fundamentals when it comes to its gameplay. It has all yeah. of the license. It has all of the scope, the entire villain back catalogue to draw from and the weight mm-hmm. of Square Enix behind it, but it came laced with <laughs> the worst aspects of the gaming industry at that point in time. And Character-specific battle passes. It's so funny to see the biggest things fall like this because you tripped on your own laces because you yep. tied them together, you idiot. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And that's the thing. Like that, that was. I mean, I remember the initial response to like um, the all the faces not being Robert Downey Jr. or not being yeah, Chris Evans. Sure. But then, there yeah, only the combat was solid. But then it was just monetized to death, and it just wasn't very fun to play. Yeah. The level layout sucked. Yeah. And do you know what the funny thing is? Is that um, right now Marvel's Midnight Suns is experiencing its first dose of DLC with the Deadpool Ooh, DLC. Deadpool's out yeah. Today, yeah, that's the thing. And and mm-hmm. that game there reviewed exceptionally well, had great fundamentals, zero microtransactions. Or mm-hmm. like even though the game was basically like primed to become one, riddled with them. You could easily and, have done it. Yeah. And this is the thing. I'm looking at it now, just going like, cool. I will give you my money because you've already <laughs> proven that it's worth it, and I want this game to succeed. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. That's how you do a Marvel game. That's the thing. If you yeah, if you want some. Something that is just marvelly to get in, yeah. like to just dive into and have fun with the characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. It is Midnight Suns. It's very like teen fiction. It's very young adult um, approaches to the relationships that you form yeah. with those characters. But we had a lot of fun with it, and the, the actual oh, gameplay side is just actual, delicious, man. It's so yeah, the actual good. strategy stuff is genuinely phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. I'm playing through Fire Emblem Engage right now, and as much as I love Fire Emblem, after Midnight Suns, I was like, I think that's the future of turn-based stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just so immediate and the different um, ways you can combo everything together. There's like um, uh, that, and uh, I can't believe that. I'm I'm giving them uh, this much praise, but uh, the Sparks of Hope Mario versus yeah, Rabbits totally. thing, the way that that redefined the grid-based combat system, I mm. actually went away from it thinking, cool, blimey, I actually wouldn't hate <laughs> it if XCOM took a few pages out of this uh, this mm. book, really, to uh, build XCOM 3, which I hope is coming. Please, Fire Access, please, please, please. I know, it should eventually. I guess they'll get back to their roots again. No more Chimera. What's that, um, what's that franchise that you love? It's Valkyrie Chronicles? Oh, Valkyrie Chronicles, like- yeah. Yeah, that has the same kind of thing where it's it's st- turn based, movement, but you have yeah. like yeah, like a range of freedom of movement within a space, and then it's the next turn. It's kind of just that, but like put in like a top down, assumedly grid based look. Did but, you yeah. ever play um, Eternal Sonata? No, that had oh, that the one that's based on like, Chopin's. Chopin's like, yeah, 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 it's so funny because like imagine <laughs> walking into the pitching meeting room and being like, I've got an idea for a video game. Boom, a JRPG, mm. and everyone's like, Yep, cool, we are more excited. But it's based <laughs> on the fever dreams of Frederick Chopin. It's like you've <laughs> lost us slightly there. What? What are you saying? But that had a similar that had a similar like battle system where you could run around, but you only had a specific amount of time to do all of your attacks in. Right, and right. doing certain uh, attacks would limit your time even further. So the more powerful attacks would either cost you more time or take more time to do. And you could chain okay. them together with your friends. I love games that have clever battle mechanics because totally. you're going to be using them again and again. So you better make sure that they're good. I will shout out um, Chained Echoes as well. That was like my most overlooked yeah. game from last year. Um, you actually I think brought I'm, this up I'm before, actually. Yeah, 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 you did. And I, I, I actually wrote it down to go check out. I've got a little list of uh, games that Scott recommends that I will eventually <laughs> get around to. Games that I yell at you about every week. Please, Jules. Like a town crier. <laughs> <laughs> um, next question from Pinky slash Pingo who says, what's your approach when returning to a big game after a lot of time away? Do you 
jump straight back in or do you restart the whole thing? I wish more games had more tutorials for confused old farts like me. I back that. I wish every game had a, hey, you've been away for a while. Well, Here's the basics. Well, thing. this is the thing. I was just about to bring up the much maligned um, Alone in the Dark uh, reboot mm. of 2006 mm. or eight or something like that. And okay, the last time they tried to reboot it. Yeah. And what happened when they uh, you would go to the new chapter, it was like previously on The Walking Dead mm. effectively, and it would tell you exactly what happened. So you'd be like, oh, cool. Mm. I haven't played this game in a few months and I'm right, going to come back right. and pick exactly where I left off. I... Mm would love that recap feature for the likes of GTA, Red Dead Redemption 2, stuff like totally. that, where like you start up your thing and it just has like a little five second flashback of like, I gotta get to Dutch, I gotta do this. <laughs> or it's like, I can't believe that I've made it through this. And then it's like, boom, right back in. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, Pinky, you've, you've, you've basically reminded me of how much time i've wasted going back Mm. to games that i have left on the back burner for way too long they have gone cold and stodgy and the film has grown over the top and i don't like (laughs) ooh, it's disgusting and so i've started brand new i always do the thing where like i sort of try and push through that initial awkwardness where i'm like i don't even remember saving in this area where even am i i just sort of keep going with it for a bit and read some updated whatever the next quest is that i take on and then try and remember whatever that was Mm -hmm. maybe i'll source a youtube video or something for the intro again or something um but i do think it should be an industry standard like maybe just some sort of almost assassin's creed style where they put you in like a virtual reality space well like an animus like, like you go in there and it's just like, just, just a like scott's a, brain <laughs> yeah it's like a loading thing and be like okay these were the moves this is what you were doing yeah. this is who you were go- this is the side quest you were on um and just something that would sort of um to borrow a pr term onboard you back into the game again sort of like the um devil may cry 2 or 3 which had like every time it went to a loading screen it plopped you into mm. that battle room where you just fought enemies until you were ready to get back into the actual thing but you know, has that Bayonetta, actually, yeah. that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. that was and quite useful like, um, actually. Yeah, anything like that where it's just sort of like, okay, what the hell am I in the middle of? Because sometimes yeah. I've picked up a save and I'm just in a fight with someone, and I'm just like, I don't even know, like, like a hard fight. I'm like, Imagine that from the video game protagonist's like point of view, where it's just kind of like they stand idle for like about five months, and then they just come like, have at you. Wait, who are you again? Like, yeah, because I always find that it's like, oh, okay, this is like a hard fight that old me gave up on for a bit or wanted to give it a minute, and it's yeah. like, no, there's some insane like influx of attacks that I'm just not okay with, yeah. or I wasn't actually, remotely okay with. That is a great point to make, though, Scott. If mm. you are struggling with a boss battle or an enemy, make sure mm. that you beat it before you put the controller down and walk away. Because <laughs> if you couldn't beat it then, when you've honed your skills to that point and you've stepped mm. away for three months, chances are you're going to find it even hard and that's going to force the big restart. It's true. I will conversely say that sometimes when you do that thing where you, um, like it's, it's late on at night and you give up on something, you go back first thing in the morning. Sometimes that first thing in the morning, you beat it first time. Yeah, but you're, you're not leaving it for it. three weeks though, are you? No, no. <laughs> Don't give it for like, like five years or whatever. Because <laughs> right now, I've picked up my old Persona 5 save. So I've like, I'm Oof, about eight. That's a rough hours one in. to get back into. From 2017. I know. Oof. So I was just like, <laughs> back to that. Because I um, stopped. Have you finished Persona 5? I have indeed. And um, so 105 that, um, hours, I believe, that I chucked in It's that ridiculous. Until. I'm I'm in the um I just finished the Okamura dungeon where you're in the like it's like a spaceship and it's like a whole bunch of like techie spaces and you got to do all yeah. these flicking yeah, switches yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I did all that and then um he's like revealed his heart and stuff. But that's where I was. So I, I remember giving up, just being like, oh, I can't be bothered with this maze. I don't yeah. care. I'm 80 hours in. How is it not done? And so like I've picked it back up, and that's where I am. So it's like it, in that moment, being like, I don't remember what's going on. Phantom yeah. thieves. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, how do you remember all of the uh, the links you've built along the way? And mm. you don't care necessarily. And that's not just because of like the writing or whatever. You're just like at mm. that point jumping back in fresh. You're like, I who what's going on again? Well, like, 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 why should I care about what's going on? 
yeah, there's something going on with a character called Haru. And I was like, yeah. I don't even remember yeah. you. Like, just you're in the party, apparently. I don't know. Um, anyway, next question from Jacob Sawyer, who says, do you think we'll see an increase in video game adaptations from HBO after the success of The Last of Us? That's not a terrible idea, but what games... I mean, we've already had Game of Thrones games. We've already had... Uh, have we the had a Soprano can... game? We must have had There Soprano. is a Soprano's tie-in on the PS2, yeah, but it was remake like... That, that was... Remake that again. I'd love to... i tell you what, if Telltale were going to apply their um, thing of the episodic formulas, oh so, my the God. Sopranos one would be amazing. A turn-based... Sorry, a turn-based... A dialogue-based um, branching path Sopranos game would be incredible. Yeah, that would be a hell of a thing to do. Every single episode you of... play from a perspective from a different family member so that that way at least you <laughs> know that stuff would go wrong for each of them. I would love... I, I would take that. I mean, if they, if they, that whole rush of like the Sopranos game, the 24 game, the Shield game, yeah. like back in the day when TV series had their tie-ins, um, I assume Sawyer means the idea of like the HBO adaptation. Like what other yeah. games are like gritty I get enough you to mean, sort yeah, of yeah, bring yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would totally do... Because I think um, The Last of Us is sort of pioneering like the way to do it where you borrow certain scenes and you sort of change other things. Episode 2 changed a lot more mm-hmm. in terms of like the way the infected work and stuff. Um, I guess something as heavy as like Red Dead has the weight to it that would match like an HBO production. Um, I guess I'm trying to think of the so. weightiest games. Well, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I, mm. I tell you what, um, a Disco Elysium uh, crime oh. caper show would be amazing Shout. if delivered through yes. uh, the HBO lens. I know I keep bringing it up, and I'm apologising <clears> right <throat> now, everyone. Every single week, you get a little dose <laughs> of Jules talking about Disco Elysium. I'd like. To well, see- if you look at the, the, what's happening with that IP, it's been. Yeah like messed up and Amazon's got it and whatever it's so, been yeah. just left abandoned now so Amazon Prime may turn it into a TV show at some point but <laughs> eh, who, who knows eh? Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to see Dishonored turn it into a TV show because I feel like that's got good things because imagine the setup of the kidnapped princess and obviously you trying to figure out where she is and uh, I feel like that that crime caper slash assassination which would allow things to get gory and gritty plus the mm-hmm. horror of living in that world and having mm. the plague rats around all the time I also mm. think that Deathloop should be made into a TV show because with Russian Doll cool. recently on getting on Netflix with the second season, it shows mm. that that Groundhog Day time repeating itself and Happy Death Day with its sort of uh, horror elements right, in that one as right. well. I mm. do think that there's elements that could be very interesting from a TV show perspective where it's like... Mm-hmm. If they even played with the very concept of what a TV show is, you could have mm. it that the events in the first episode have no bearing on what's going on until you finally <laughs> watch the end episode and realize that it loops back to the first one. That is, in fact, I the think... end episode or something. Yeah, there's that show. I don't know if it's out yet. There's that show that you can watch in any order on Netflix. It's I've like, heard about unless... this. Is it any good? Uh, yeah, I've not, I've not seen that yet, but it's, I think it's like nine episodes, but you can watch them in any order and ha- somehow it still pays yeah, off. I'm guessing it's yeah. just nine different perspectives. <laughs> Um, but they could do something cool with time or whatever. Because, yeah, I don't know what HBO are necessarily looking for. Looking at the making of uh, The Last of Us, it seems like Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann just struck up a conversation. Yeah. And Mazin was a huge fan of the game, so he was like, we should do this. But like, it wasn't it wasn't like it was HBO actively looking for something. But mm-hmm. um, I do agree that considering the success of it, I mean, apparently the, the game sales are up like 200, 300%. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's working across the board. Um, and I guess we know we're getting a God of War show. Yeah. And we're getting the Fallout show and the Horizon show mm-hmm. and the Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima movie. So it's like, there are more coming, but HBO is not attached to any of them. It's all Netflix and Amazon. So well, I don't know if... Um, maybe do in that else. sense, in that sense, mm. Scott, because they're going to look mm-hmm. at the competition and think, right, okay, so video game adaptations are going to be the thing and we're all mm-hmm. going to end up looking the same because let's face it, everyone homogenizes every idea because that's the <laughs> easiest way to sell it when you say it's like this, but with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what if they go against the trend and choose a game that isn't gritty, 
and mm-hmm. turn it into something that is like the heavy HBO drama. What if we got like Bomberman <laughs> or, <laughs> or Kirby? Kirby, but he's a down on his luck drunk. You know what I mean? Like I like, was thinking you could do you could do a Kirby, but you you follow one of the um, what the hell do you call the dudes that he eats? Any the, any random what, NPC? like King DDD's minions? King did it, yeah, 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 all those random dudes. I can't think of their names now. I've played so much Kirby. We're going to call them the those... Grumpkins. The little, yes, the little little orange Grumpkins. Um, if you just followed them, a little family of them, and they hear about this entity <laughs> that is destroying the city, is eating everything, Simpsons style, it ate everybody, and it's just, it's just outside somewhere. So it's them preparing and, um, for the coming storm. The, it's, like, yeah. it's like, the pink wave is coming. We must prepare <laughs> for it. <laughs> Fa- like Fable 3 style. Um, but like, yeah, this big, uh, the crawler, the Kirby is eventually coming i would totally do that because he's kirby's terrifying you just came up with another great example fable fable as a tv show would actually work really well yes i guess if if you make it like whimsical enough if you can nail the the sense of humor and the tone and stuff do do that do fable as an arcane style animation because that animated style would match perfectly with fable and i would take that um next question from tom who says if we could play only one game forevermore what would it be oh blimey i You'd want to almost choose a game that has infinite possibilities in the sense that you can mm. just keep playing and doing stuff. Oh, I, I don't know. That's a really tough question <laughs> because there's no. I don't ga- know why, but like, my yeah. mind went to Windjammers. I was just, I love really forever. So much. <laughs> It's, it's, it's better when it's two player, mate, and you're just playing it on your own. You're <laughs> really? Yeah, I would. I think. I, just, I mean, I don't know how much we are. I don't. I don't imagine if we're are we pulling shifts on these games, or we just checking in for half an hour a day. I just love Windjammers so much that I could. I could do a cheeky little Windjammers every 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 day. Fair enough, man. I mean, the thing is, is that I'm, my mind's thinking to what games do I enjoy the most, but I'm starting to realise that they would actually be slogs if I only played them together. <laughs> like, imagine waking up and playing XCOM Two Forevermore. Like, oh, I love God. that game, but it. It would leave my emotions in tatters. That my mm-hmm. mind would be an absolute blamange. Um, you could do uh, Midnight Suns, and you can just pretend you've got friends. Like <laughs> yeah, just, just hang around and go, "Hey, yeah, but, Wolverine." Uh, but you the worst, the worst thing is, though, mate, is that what happens is that you'll uh, play it so much that you'll finally get the dialogue to start looping again, and then that's when you know <laughs> that the gameplay is like it will shatter around you. When you're like, "They're not my friends. They're just algorithmically just uh, spouting nonsense just randomly." Oh no! Oh no! Animal Crossing. You don't want to go swimming at all. Uh, you know what? Minecraft. I'll go Minecraft. Just because the fact you make whatever you want out of it, and that way I can mm. just entertain myself forevermore. I've never, do you know, what? I've never even played it. I played it maybe for like three or what four Minecraft? hours in total. That's it. I've never played yeah. any more of it because it's a game that's limited by your own imagination. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Mm-hmm. And my imagination plus my ADHD <laughs> tendencies meant that I was just like, I want to make this. I don't know mm-hmm. how. I'm annoyed. I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you start, I mean, the thing is, me and uh, my wife played quite a lot of it. I think I've talked, talked about this before. Mm-hmm. But super quickly, that was my biggest stint on Minecraft is when we sort of did, you know, in Inception, where it's like you get the reveal that like Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. and um, his partner like lived in the fake yeah. world, whatever, for as long as possible. And I lived in their minds for as long as possible. Me and my wife did that for a while where we just built a utopia inside Minecraft and then it was attacked by a bunch of creepers that oh, blew no. it up. And then we oh, were like, no. oh, well, well, F it then. I'm not, I can't, we can't live here anymore. And then it was like, well, all of our best laid plans. But I like the idea of like doing a living in that space and sort of like, like someone goes out and gets all the firewood in all the different yeah, crafting components yeah. and you're building at home or something. Um, that's kind of fun. Um, but yes, uh, next question from the 25th Gunner of 2023, <laughs> who says, if the Mario movie is a massive success and leads to more animated Nintendo movies, mm-hmm. what IP would you like to see get a movie? For them, it's a Rocky-style arms movie. That would be the dream. Ooh, that'd be quite good. <laughs> that'd be very, very fun. I would do, if you can do a Rocky-style Nintendo thing, surely it's Punch-Out!! You just do, do that super would be out. so fun, actually. If you've got like a little Mac and he's just literally a tiny yeah. guy and he's just like, oh, I can do it, I can beat the toughest guys in there, and you get a cameo from Mike Tyson at well? the end. 
Uh, like he played playing um the big boxer whose name I can't remember what is that why can't I remember the name that they gave him because it was used to be Mike Tyson's Punch Out but then they changed his name oh didn't and they? they swapped it oh, what's name? yeah it's like Mr Dream or something oh that's what um, it is yeah 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 it's, it's like, something like that yeah 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 but um but yeah because we mentioned there before I guess the the idea of like an arcane based fable game would be cool mm. a fable movie would be kind of cool but um yeah what do you think in terms of the where where are you at on the Mario movie I don't think we've talked about it that um much. I am optimistic uh, cautiously mm. maybe um mm. I really hope that it is a success because I do feel like at least it's trying something different while at the same time adhering to what made the game franchise so mm. popular we're not getting another sort of gritty uh, Blade Runner-esque thing with Bob Hoskins walking around going hey Mario <laughs> Mario um, we're getting a yeah, buddy. we're definitely getting a film that is aware of its own lineage and also the mm. memes and joke history that it's got so mm. I really hope that they're going to lean more into that because I feel like if they want this film to be a success Obviously, you're going to have to have good character arcs, excellent writing, Chris Pratt actually trying a Mario voice at some point. But you <laughs> are going to need to... You're going to need to pay <laughs> reference to the audience that got you there. There's got mm. to be in-jokes. There's got to be sides, uh, like little winks and nods to the community that really go into looking at the sort of silliness and the ridiculous aspects of Mario itself if you want it to be mm -hmm. reverential. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully it will do well. Um, mm -hmm. And if it does do well, what game would I like to see turned into a movie? Um, That's a thing for Nintendo as well. It's like, do they... Because, assumedly, they've done Mario, they should then do Zelda. It's nearly always Mario, then Zelda. But it's like, what... I would assume they do some sort of, like, Toon Link setting. It's like, what, what oh, era of Zelda do you... Well, adapt, but like you know. Well, we, we've we've been seeing it with the um, um, Enter the Spider Verse stuff, with the yeah. multiversal theory. Uh, there's obviously mm. the very fractured uh, timeline between the Hero of Time and the failure of the Hero, and there's mm. all these different like uh, links and all of their impacts that they've had on it. So, what mm. if they made it so that it's like Toon Link exploring his own histories, trying to find himself <laughs> as a hero or something like that? So that could kind of work. That'd be kind of cool. I, I, the thing is, like, I'm just curious. It's just a stupid question, but I'm like, in 2023, when it's all said and done what's going to be a better adaptation the last of us or mario like by the time they've both been done i hope that it's the last of us if i'm honest because i do <laughs> think that mario has sold enough units it doesn't need as much stuff mm. but i think that um, moving forward gaming history needs to remember the last of us for what it did in terms of pushing the boundaries as to uh, mm. storytelling and how to deliver emotion and i feel like mm -hmm. that's more important to the overall conversation of video games as art yes it is True. but you know what i mean it's there's still people discussing it to this day um yeah yeah in terms i'm just gonna pull a game out of my bold head and turn yeah. that into a movie and i think that we should do <laughs> an animated movie let's do let's do payday Let's do Payday. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see, <laughs> I want to see. I want to see a heist movie. I want to see a heist movie with the crazy over-the-top nature that Ooh. we've got um, there. And I feel like we've we since Ocean's Thirteen absolutely dried mm. the riverbank full of uh, creativity because that was awful. We haven't uh -huh. had a good heist movie in a long, long time. You know what? What's that mission? There's a mission in The Witcher Three where they have to do a heist. I think it's in The Witcher Three. It's Is in it? some fantasy. I'm remembering someone writing yeah. about a fantasy. Okay. And in a fantasy RPG, there was a heist mission. I want to say it's in The Witcher, even though I didn't play it myself. Either way, the idea of a, a high fantasy, a heist taking place in a high fantasy oh, farm with high fantasy characters. Fantasy. I like that. Yeah, that would work really well. Um, and that would be really original as well. Was it Dragon Age 
origins or something where it's like the, it's got the dwarf who's telling the story to the people who are in, uh, who are like interrogating him but he changes the story as it goes on oh, the thing Cause, I'm thinking because that's you, a good that's a good um, uh, character arc uh, not uh, uh, narrative right. arc though because if you've got somebody telling the truth kind of like Kaiser Soze in mm. the um What's it called? What's, what's the name of the usual, usual suspects? suspects. Um, you could have it so that it's like a heist fantasy version of that, where mm-hmm. he's talking about mythical legends and warriors, but what's true and what's like, not could be quite good. There's nowhere near enough heist movies in general. I remember Zack mm-hmm. Snyder's whole zombie one was a cool idea that I thought that movie was boring as hell. Oh, but yeah, like, that did actually. But that whole idea of like like a heist taking place inside a zombie apocalypse, it's like just add a heist to literally anything. Yeah, like better. in uh, yeah, like in the Andor TV show, they do a re- there's a great heist series of episodes in mm-hmm. there, and it's like just just plug it in. Heist plus Star Wars is great. Heist plus Fable is great. Just I do just, it. I, like the heist formula for uh, for storytelling is just one that mm. is absolutely sublime because you lay yeah. out to the audience exactly what you hope to achieve, thereby building tension when even the slightest bit doesn't go to plan, and you mm-hmm. get to generate all of that lovely emotional drama between people. Mm-hmm. Can they trust each other? Are they out for themselves? It's just. But you're telling the audience from the off, this is what we're doing. You don't even need to hide it. You don't even need to be clever. You just go, this is what we do. Can we do? Like, it's brilliant. I would, yeah, I need to try and think of that. Um, I'll have a Google in a minute. I need to try and think of that Witcher thing. Because <clears throat> there is some sort of high fantasy heist okay. thing in video games. Um, but next question from Flood31, who says, What are our thoughts on tacked on multiplayer elements to games? The Tomb Raider reboot springs to mind. The mode was fun, but was it needed? Um, no, it wasn't needed at all because if you look at the entire impact that it has on the tone of the game, this is uh, Lara Croft's uh, survival tale. So the moment mm-hmm. you add in other heroes to that tale, you dilute her perspective on it. It's mm-hmm. meant to be her origin story. The focus is on her. The multiplayer mm-hmm. aspect on it was functional. It was fine. It was totally mm-hmm. unnecessary. So why was it in Do there? Because we had a couple of questions about just like that old era of when every game just had multiplayer, like yep. Bioshock 2, yep. like Arkham Origins. Yep. Um, I don't know about you but for me the most pointless multiplayer where I was consciously going like why the hell does this exist was in the darkness I don't know if you played the darkness oh, one yeah. what the but that had like, multiplayer, <laughs> like online deathmatch multiplayer yeah, where weird. like some players were I don't know if they were Jackie Estacado but they were characters with yeah. guns and then I remember just shooting some of the character or player um, as like a little goblin man and I was just like this is just the most asset take, like just take the assets yeah. from the single player yeah. and put them in an open space and, and it was just the most thrown together thing and it's the time that it's taken to make those multiplayer mm. elements on it I guess that it was it's the precursor to the games as a live service because mm. what you're doing is you're adding le- a long gen t- long oh my god why can I say that word longevity longevity thank you I was gonna say longevity which is not a word uh, <laughs> longevity to a game by adding in something to keep players coming back and experience something new uh, whilst mm. being able to push DLC content through to it as well mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. on paper a clever idea but in practice it does destroy the tone of your game quite a lot because if yeah. it doesn't match up if it doesn't make sense then why is it in there like I mm. arguably think that Bioshock 2 had a brilliant multiplayer suite that had just enough tenuous links because it was to do with the fall of Rapture and how it got into the state that it is in. Mm. I feel like it had just enough to keep me going back in. Although Mm. if you did start looking at it too closely, it fell apart like wet cake because, let's face it, being rewarded for going out and killing other civilians with a reward program that was built into it, it was like, I don't know, man. Why couldn't you just say you scavenge some weapons? Why couldn't you just be out for yourself a bit? I don't know. Well, that's the thing where they try and and make it work like as if it was attached to the single-player canon where it's like they work best when they're just disconnected entirely. Yeah, I would actually say that it would have benefited from not being part of it, but actually being a standalone thing that just came out as like, hey, do you want to just play Bioshock The Fall of Rapture? It's its own 
uh, online thing and mm. it'll be just there you can just play it for free well, like that done. final fantasy battle royale thing it's like oh this is the it's it's the, the is first that still going by the way no, they're shutting it down. I think that's shutting down this year. Or it shut down last year. Do you know what? That's Something a real like that. shame. I heard people saying that it was actually pretty good. I never oh, played really? it, but I heard that people saying <laughs> that it's like for a battle royale that came way after the fact and mm. the fact that it's Final Fantasy once again throwing its hat into whatever ring is going. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, people said it was okay. People said it was okay. Yeah, I guess it, I mean, it looked like it played well enough. I was just like, I never need a battle royale add-on <laughs> to my Final Fantasy VII <laughs> memories. Like, what are you doing? So there is one other multiplayer uh, mode that I didn't expect to love as much as I did, and that was mm. the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer mode, the wave survival thing. Because I really dug that, man. That was it's brilliant. Chunky. The loot box generation you get from it admittedly it was grindtacular but me and my friend Liam we played through that endlessly because every couple of months they would drop a new pack of like another four characters that all had mm. different like classes and all the other um, like weapons and stuff like that and it made mm. it feel fresh plus you would take all of those rewards funnel them into the single player and at the time mm. because I hadn't completed it yet I thought that I was really making a giant impact on my <laughs> final progress for the uh, end of this game admittedly right. it didn't go anywhere but still mm. I love the idea that it could have done something well it's like it's a weird thing right because I, I was going to mention before like dead space 2 had multiplayer it and then did, 3 yeah. has the co-op and yeah. stuff um but i don't know if that is like some sort of overlooked thing like i was watching gameplay footage of it being like it just looks weird a bunch of isaac clocks all yeah. shooting each other with yeah. the plasma thing it's the jurassic park uh syndrome isn't it because it's like just because you can doesn't mean that you should final question from kevin who says with forspoken and callisto protocol reviewing and potentially selling worse than expected if games like the dead space remake and resident evil 4 remake are more successful should we be more worried about getting new ip going forward so it's always a risk, isn't it, to launch mm. a new IP because you don't have any backing from it. Uh, you don't have any goodwill from the audience apart from the developer or publisher's name. Um, and it's a huge monetary investment uh, mm. for both sides of the coin. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it will <laughs> dent major AAA um, IPs being attempted, but it mm. will put more... Um, pressure on them to succeed and unfortunately that means that it'll probably end up with uh, the companies like Square Enix, EA, whoever saying mm. this game needs to make uh, $500 million back versus what it used to only need to break even to get a sequel. Yeah. I think it gives uh, it gives ammo to the worst people in the room. Like yeah. if, if you're in some sort of business meeting with someone who just wants to do the safe thing, then they have they have two big examples to point to and be like, look what happened when the new yeah. IP. Did. Oh, yeah. it didn't work very well, did it? Yeah. Whereas like obviously the reality of that is what we said before about like the the actual the proofs in the pudding and the products themselves not being that good. Callisto and Forspoken are so clearly fundamentally unsatisfying and mm. badly made in mm. various areas. So that's why they failed. Like it's not it wasn't the fact that it was a new thing. Like that whole idea of like banking on the past is the only way to do it like I, that's just so boring um i guess actually last night high five rush rush high five proved that you yeah. can just do a brand new thing and have a lot of word of mouth but that of a wasn't triple a it. it wasn't a triple a launch was it let's face it if, if it was it's uh, interesting though because it feels like it like it does feel like a big well it feels like a big pristine you know like it's beautiful it's a 4k 60 frame rate game like, yeah no I, I, yeah. I get i get what you mean by that but i don't think that you can ever qualify it as being a triple a game if it got a a shadow launch i don't know of any Ooh. game that is like that you could class as triple a 
Um, mm. Because AAA games, by their very nature, are ones that have huge amounts of uh, investment for mm. the marketing and development going into them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to it's say. It's interesting it because um, it's weird because I would say that um, Hi-Fi Rush is kind of on par with Callisto in terms mm-hmm. of what it feels like, the amount of budget that went into it. Whereas Forspoken feels much bigger. It feels like this big, lumbering, weighty, open world, yep. endless thing. Um, whereas like Callisto and Hi-Fi feel a lot more focused. But that is interesting. There's sort of like the market, how much the marketing factors into it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's there's arguments for both sides. The, the cold business people just want the safe stuff. Um, whereas I think that just fundamentally people need new things. Oh, 100%. Um, but, and it's always the worry yeah. as well that every single um, sequel you put out, unless you are one of these exceptional, very rare lightning in a bottle franchises, mm. um, you are going to experience uh, diminishing returns and it is going to get worse and worse and worse. And if mm. a huge tent pole style ip falls through the cracks what do you have to replace it it's the mm-hmm. wwf moving from hulk hogan into bret hart era it is if you have <laughs> this massive draw but you haven't built up any baby faces or people to step into his shadow then mm-hmm. the company suffers as a result and they mm-hmm. need to have a handful of other ips waiting in the wing to then mm-hmm. step in should something go drastically wrong like look at ea and battlefield 2042 that was mm-hmm. a surefire hit of a franchise totally. for many many years the mm-hmm. foundation has been irreparably cracked by the devastating uh, release of that game and mm-hmm. so much so that battlefield 5 had that huge upsurge in people playing it because they just said mm-hmm. this isn't the game that we want that has put what was a surefire thing into question and mm-hmm. ea must be sweating bullets quite literally <laughs> on that because uh, mm-hmm. what do you do when you're one of your biggest uh, flagships just goes nah Nah. Well, it's just that's the thing. It's like I would just you, I don't know why they moved away from it so much. I know it's because of how much money it takes to make the games in the mm-hmm. first place. But the idea of putting the marketing budget into the new thing—that's obviously what we've got with Forspoken. But then the more people saw of that, it just wasn't very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in the dialogue or the, or the gameplay, and then Callisto. It's like Callisto had a massive marketing budget to it. Like Glenn Schofield was over on Vanity Fair and everything, uh, talking about the game. But then the actual game itself just wasn't that solid. Mm-hmm. So the approach is right, but it's very rare that the actual final game for the new IP is the thing that is massively recommendable. I think one of the last times that happened was like Apex Legends or something. Yeah. Um, where it was just immediately, oh my God, you need to play this. And PUBG had it a few years prior as well. Um, there'll be some more examples, but in terms of like really big yeah. mainstream stuff, like Among Us, I guess. Like yeah, just something yeah. that really, really takes off. I, I think that um, you need to almost not look at ever making AAA uh, new IPs again. Mm. You need to cultivate them into it. Like none of these right. games started as being these flagship things apart from maybe the Marios and the mascots because of the fact mm. that they were basically a, a console saying, this is what you play us for. Mm-hmm. So you look at the likes of games that are reviewed incredibly well. Mm. Let's just use Hades as a good example of that. That was mm. an impeccably polished uh, indie developed video game mm-hmm. Hades 2 that's approaching the market with such buzz and attention that that mm-hmm. is a triple A admittedly caveat indie title if it mm-hmm. goes to Hades 3 my god I reckon that we would say that that is a surefire triple A video game franchise right there mm-hmm. because you're not that's a really good point you're not judging triple A it's so hard to try and express what triple A is without um mm-hmm. tripping over myself it's it's not necessarily 
just because it had a ton of money sunk into it. It's not just because it has a, a celebrity name or a, a mm. recognizable brand attached to it. It's about the huge impact it leaves on the video game community or what it would be like if it were to step back. What hole right. would need to be filled by something else? Call of mm. Duty, great example, is a AAA. If Hades mm-hmm. keeps pushing forward, it could be the new version of what AAAs could be. I, like, I think that's interesting. I think that, that idea of building to something is definitely the thing that lots of the, a lot of the biggest publishers have gotten away from. That it's like, let's just put all this money into it and it'll, it'll immediately be the next Call of Duty, like an X Defiant or something like Forspoken being like, like being an immediate uh, head, like head drawer or audience drawer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you said, if, if Forspoken was a smaller game initially yeah. um, and actually nailed the fundamentals and nailed this idea of this mysterious world and then you did your open world sequel that would be a much safer and better way to do it that would get people on board if Callisto didn't blow its budget getting all those actors in or whatever and just focused on the combat model then when you fleshed it out and said hey by the way Gwendolyn Christie's on the podcast and whatever all that stuff would work so much more naturally. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. They think they're making safe bets, but when you really think about it, like you said, it needs to be incremental. And per, the safety is in doing the small game first. It's like, if they do another hi-fi rush and it's a much bigger world, it makes more sense. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know why the hell we got away from that so much. Like That's that good. idea of just, just jump to the trilogy as the first, in, the third third installment as the initial one instead. Yeah, well, they just it's just because they want instant returns. It's that they yeah. think, okay, we're investing this amount in, so we want that amount back. And it's like, that doesn't mm. work. That doesn't yeah. work. Like, you ticking a box, saying oh let's spend 500 million dollars on hiring all of these actors and having all this extra bit on it no nail your gameplay and your premise first <laughs> like again we're not paying for your dinner like stop it no yeah yeah i think that's, I think that's a really really good point i think yeah that's one of the the key things that they've gotten so far away from um but anyway for now this has been the entitled partner podcast a massive thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions and thoughts and everything else mm-hmm. i didn't say ubp ubp UBP, UBP. I have now. I'm Scott <laughs> Tilford. That's Jules Gill. Indeed, I am. And remember, you can go check out our social medias where you can get up to date for the call for questions every single Thursday, <laughs> apart from this Thursday because we're recording it early because I'm off tomorrow because I'm an yes. idiot and didn't plan that well. <laughs> so um, go follow uh, Scott over on Twitter at slash LP89. And you can follow me over on Instagram at RetroJ, where the O is a zero. We'll be asking for your questions on both social media sites. Big love. Be beautiful. Thank you all very much once again and we'll catch you next week goodbye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.